The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. The cycle of unlearning is a new way of thinking and a new way of leading. It's not difficult to learn more. What is difficult is to know what to unlearn, what to stop and what to throw away. This is the paradox of success. While thinking and doing certain methods may have brought you success in the past, it's almost certain they won't continue to bring you success in the future. Welcome to Inside Learning, brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College Dublin. I'm your host, Aidan McCullen, and it is a great pleasure to welcome the author of Unlearn, Let Go of Past Success to Achieve Extraordinary Results, Barry O'Reilly, welcome to Inside Learning. Oh, it's great to be here, Aidan. Thanks very much. Before we get into a few examples of unlearning, Barry, including your own unlearning that you're going through at the moment, let's share the cycle of unlearning. Let's put this up front, the framework to understand. The inspiration really came from a lot of my work in sort of working in business model innovation and product development. You know, I, I, I recognized that, you know, what was holding people back was not their ability to learn new skills, but unlearn their existing behavior, especially if it had made them successful in the past. So the cycle of unlearning is really a system that I developed to help people adapt to changing circumstances and adapt their behavior to get breakthroughs. Um, And the first step is about unlearning. It's uh, recognizing or self-diagnosing where your existing behavior or thinking is limiting yourself. Um, and what obstacles you're coming up against. And often the way people identify those obstacles are where they're not achieving the outcomes they're aiming for, situations they're avoiding. Maybe you've tried everything you can think of and you're not getting the breakthroughs you need. Maybe you're situations you're avoiding. Uh, they're all signals that your existing behavior is not working and therefore you need to sort of unlearn. Um, and then once you can diagnose that area about where you need to unlearn, it's about sort of identifying those obstacles and reframing them as outcomes like what would be success if you actually that you're shooting for and redefining that and and then when you sort of have this um i you know i capture them in what i call an unlearning statement about how you will know you have will have unlearned and what outcomes demonstrate that the next step is really about relearning Um, And relearning is generally a, a chance for you to adopt new or often somewhat uncomfortable behaviors you know, the, the reason you have a lot of your challenges is that your existing behavior doesn't work. So what's actually going to be successful for you is probably new behaviors or things that you've never tried before, unobvious or uncomfortable. Uh, so most people shy away from trying those things. We often stick to what we know and what we're comfortable with. So relearning then is a way of teaching people to experiment with new behaviors, um, but making it safe. So I always say think big and start small. You know, you want to think big about what you want to unlearn, but you start small as you relearn experimenting with new behaviors to hopefully then achieve a breakthrough. And this is sort of the final step is breakthroughs is when we get new insight, new information that shifts our perspective. So from trying new behaviors, um, we see different results, which is new information, which often goes against our existing thinking or behaving. But if we see success from those new behaviors, that encourages us then to get a breakthrough and, and sort of uh, improve. And it's really not a sort of one and done cycle. It's a virtuous cycle. So the more you start to be able to identify areas where you need to unlearn, practice relearning and getting breakthroughs, 
and you you just get better and better at this over time and you know i've worked with and coached a lot of senior execs from fortune 500s or scaling startups here in san francisco where i live to sort of use this system to innovate themselves their teams their company and and ultimately their businesses uh, for greater results and one of the reasons i mentioned barry in that question was the easy to understand because it's brilliantly done but it's hard to execute is often because of the psychological reasons people have of letting go, particularly if you're a CEO of an organization or somebody in a senior position and you've got there based on expertise of the past. But in today's world of rapid change, that expertise is fleeting. And many of us have trouble letting go, particularly when our expertise or our success was really hard fought. I'd love if you gave us a few examples of the challenges leaders experience when they're going through the cycle of unlearning? Well, first of all, is just the, the willingness to accept it is probably the first aha moment for many folks. As you say, um, when you walk into these executives of these you know, multi-billion dollar organizations and tell them that they need to unlearn, th- their initial reaction is actually quite visceral, right? They're like, what do you, what do you think you know? Um, but what I, the way I describe on learning, it's, it's not saying that what you know or your thinking or your current behavior is wrong. I, I describe on learning as a process of letting go or reframing and moving away from once useful mindsets and acquired behaviors that were successful in the past, but now limit your results. So it's not forgetting, discarding or removing your knowledge or experience. It's just a conscious act of letting go of outdated information and making space for new information to come in and inform your decision making and action. And I think when when I frame it like that for a lot of people, they're like, oh, right, OK, I, they start to get it. Or, or I would say, um, just like a product has features and you've got to constantly innovate the features of your product for it to stay relevant in its market, humans have behavior. So if you're not constantly innovating your behavior to adapt to your market, you know, you're, there's a mismatch, you'll get sort of unstuck. So, so once you start framing um, the problem or the situation to leaders like that, they get it actually pretty quickly. And, you know, I have so many fun examples of, uh, you know, helping leaders sort of get these breakthroughs. Um, one sort of one that people always enjoy is that I was coaching uh, the senior leadership team of, of, let's just call them a very well-known phone manufacturer here in uh, California, and they were responsible for the rollout of um, their new phones every year. And one of the sort of um, challenges I sort of like, they were very positive that they had optimized their strategy and their business for doing this to, uh, to the nth degree. It was perfect. So a fun sort of activity I did with them is I took five of the, the senior leaders and I, I put them in a room and then I gave them a prepaid credit card with a thousand dollars on it and told them to go out and sign up for their own service. Um, so they, they just thought this was a joke, but how do you think they got on? Sounds like it wasn't positive. <laughs> well, w- one of them managed to complete it, but the other four failed uh, miserably. And, you know, when they came back, they were sort of angry and they were blaming the teller or blaming the card or getting really upset about things. But actually, when we sat down to sort of reflect and started going through the rubble, um, they realized actually that a lot of these sort of failures or, or misunderstandings were actually gifts. They were examples that their assumptions about how the world worked were actually incorrect um, and they were opportunities to learn. And And when they started to shift their mindset to that, it was a breakthrough for them. They they stopped talking about like what the problems were and who things did wrong 
And they started thinking about how could we change the way we work. So when we have failures, we see them as gifts and ways to improve our systems rather than when we have failures, it's somebody's fault. And 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 uh, who do we sort of blame? And, and you know, th- these are all like subtle little shifts, I think, when leaders start to get into these mindsets that they they get into a much more experimental, much more curious mindset about how they can make things better rather than figuring out why things went wrong and who's who's at fault. Um, so all these are like little, small, little activities that I do with these leaders to help them unlearn their existing mindsets and behaviors and relearn um, behaviors and mindsets that will actually help them cope with the velocity and pace of change as you were describing. The importance of feedback there is huge. And it's one of the things many of the patrons and many of the supporters and members of the Learnivate Center here in Trinity College, they have tools that work on feedback, feedback on your product, feedback on learning, etc. That part is so essential to be open to that feedback. And so many people aren't. And as you experienced there, those leaders initially weren't open to that feedback, but we need to be willing to eat our own cooking. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, there's also the danger is that our, our expertise can actually create blind spots over time. Like these people are absolutely gifted. They're super competent at, their, at what they're doing. But expertise can sometimes calcify um, our thinking, our sort of neural networks in a way. And really what it's about is staying curious you know, another sort of good example I often cite is Joe Narenya, who's the COO of Global Markets for HSBC. You know, and what, what he would do every year is he would sit down with the most junior people as they came into the company, a lot of the grads, and he would ask them to work on problems that he was working on as the COO of like this huge entity um, that is HSBC, simply to understand, you know, what new tools are they using, what new technologies, models, methods and you can imagine in a company like HSBC, if that size, scale and hierarchy, when you've got one of the most senior people in the whole company sitting down with the most junior people to sort of learn from them and unlearn maybe some of their own behaviors, it creates this fantastic cultural artifact in the company where people will look at that and go, wow, you know, if Joe's sitting down there learning from these people, what am I doing to, to stay curious, to understand what's happening next? And you know, I just think these are great sort of examples of great leadership and curiosity and unlearning. One of the great examples you talk about in your book, which is a fabulous read, is that not of an education one, not of a business one, but one of a sporting one, which is the fantastic story of Serena Williams. Many people don't know this, but it just shows how she proceeded to keep such a high level and succeed so long in her career. Well, you know, I think you can obviously, as a former professional athlete yourself, right, like it would resonate a lot with you. You know, Serena was 31 uh, when she sort of got knocked out of the fourth round of a Grand Slam, sort of when the the premier sort of um, uh, competitions that, that they compete in. But the, right after that, she got knocked out in the first round in, in Paris, which had never happened to her in her entire career. And people had sort of just written her off uh, that that she was sort of never actually going to be successful again. Most tennis players retire at 27 and she was 31 at the time. And um, yeah, like after the after the the loss, she was sort of wandering around Paris, uh, found a tennis center, went and practiced and 
Um, while she was there, there was someone, a guy who sort of ran the practice, his name's Patrick Montbrew, was sort of observing and he approached her and gave her some pretty, uh, you know, critical feedback about how she was hitting the ball. And But it rather than be dismissive, she was really curious about it and was like, that's interesting. I, no, no one's ever really said these things to me before. And, you know, he, he came from an interesting background, too. His father was an entrepreneur, started the largest um, green energy company in, in France wanted him to take over the family business, but he sort of reneged on that and said he wanted to become a tennis coach. And even within the tennis community, he was seen as a bit of a rogue in terms of the way he would work with um, athletes to sort of optimize their very specific training needs. And um, so after they practiced together for a week, uh, Serena flew home and um, then she was flying back to uh, play at Wimbledon. And um, just before the tournament started, she, she fired her father who'd coached her since she was a kid and hired Patrick uh, to work with her. And basically what happened after that is sort of unbelievable. Her results actually started improving. She started winning more. She had a stronger record against all the top 50 athletes. She got to more Grand Slams. So she was getting better as she was getting older. And, you know, even today now, uh, you know, she's nearly 40 and she's still getting to all these Grand Slam finals and unfortunately not winning one to break the record um, of um, any most female uh, wins for Grand Slams by an individual. But the way that she's still been able to compete at the highest level right until she's nearly 40, and I'm sure she will can keep competing, um, is all down to these small little changes and shifts in behavior that she started to um, apply. So it's just been fascinating to see someone like that achieve these extraordinary results where it's just a total outlier relative to um, all the other competitors and just the whole field that she operates within. There's so many great lessons in there. There's the humility of Serena Williams to accept that feedback. There's the bravery then of Patrick, the coach, to approach her and give her this feedback. There's a bravery of him to renege on the family business and go alone and really discover new learnings and a new path for himself. But one of the things I wanted to lean on was bring it back to education again. So this will be of great interest to those people who are involved in the LearnAvate Center. Is you say mistake and error avoidance begins in school. And I thought about how Serena would have learned neurological pathways of how to hit the ball, how to react in certain conditions. Some of them be reactive, but some of them will be have been from her father. And that model of schooling for all of us where we think we go through primary education, we go into secondary education, and then we go into the workplace and then that's done. That is absolutely defunct because of the speed of change. So we're going to have to get used to this type of Serena Williams approach of relearning and unlearning in permanence. And I'd love you to take us through how you see that changing the education system and our approach once we leave college. Yeah, like, again, a lot of... um education is a conditioning, right? Where you're conditioning mindsets, behaviors, incentives, and rewards, right? In school, you're, you're, you're told, you know, put up your hand if you know the answer, you know, and you're rewarded for a very specific, that's correct, versus the process you went through to figure out the answer, which is actually much more exploratory, right? So people then stop taking risks, because if you don't know the answer, you won't put up your hand, or you won't try, or you know, and, and I think one of the things we are just going to see, which is so fascinating to me at the moment is, you know, the the Internet was sort of like, a, I would say, a friendly paradigm shift 
you know, it arrived 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, even now we're just sort of figuring out and have optimized and understand maybe how to use it um, to its potential. But we're on the cusp of maybe five, six, seven of these transformational uh, paradigm shifts arriving at the same time, which are going to be compounding and really change the way the world operates. And I don't think we're ready for that as a society. Um, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not used to this pace of change that's going to happen. So I think um, the folks who are co- comfortable with experimentation, trying new things, learning new skills, much more adaptability to changing circumstances and good rigor about how to try new things and find out what works and what doesn't, uh, they're going to be the ones that really accelerate in, in the future where if you get stuck in these very rigid, um, you know, uh, being correct is being able to know the answer rather than have a, a system to work out and figure out answers, you're really going to struggle. And I think, um, yeah, I think if the onus is on uh, parenting to schools, to education, to workplaces, to actually encourage people to try more things, you know, try more um, domains, try more uh, industries, try more places that you might find uh, curiosity in and really the ability to just pick up new skills, learn them, get better at them, and then find the next new skill you need to learn, I think is going to be uh, really the differentiator for most folks. And using the cycle of unlearning by Barry O'Reilly will be a great help for people. Barry, where can people find you? You do a lot of keynotes, you do a lot of workshops with senior leaders, etc. And a question I need to ask you about eating your own cooking You've done that yourself. You are in a cycle of unlearning and relearning yourself this stage in your life. I'd love you to tell us about that. Where can we find you and what is your latest project? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at barryoreilly.com and at all good social media outlets at the same handle. But um, my current focus is launching a venture studio called Nobody Studios. uh, And we have the goal to launch 100 compelling companies over the next five years. And we believe, as I was sharing, that the future of company creation, entrepreneurship, and and actually venture funding is about to fundamentally change. Uh, We think the next great entrepreneurs are kids that are in Nigeria. The 2 billion people are about to come online in the next few years. Um, They're probably not going to use cash as the way that they operate uh, to do transactions on the internet. They're probably going to use something that most people in this listening may have never even experienced yet. So we believe about tapping into that crowd Uh, elevating the best ideas. We're going to be the first venture studio to ever offer crowd equity funding. So anybody who's ever wanted to own uh, a piece of early stage, pre-seed stage companies, uh, they can sort of invest in our crowd funding and you just don't own uh, a piece of one company, you'll own a part of the studio and every single company we create. So we're trying to make uh, venture accessible for all, whether and what we need is talent, influence and capital. So talent is if you have ideas and you'd like to bring them to life or work on some of the companies we're focused on, just get in touch with us. Influence is simply if you like what we're doing and you're interested, just share what we're doing with your network. I think everyone is an influencer with their network. Like if you think nobody studio sounds interesting, tell people about it. And then capital will be that opportunity to sort of invest in it for a couple of hundred bucks. You'll be able to own um, a venture studio creating early stage startups and no one's ever done that before that we know of so um that's what we're currently focused on nobodystudios.com uh, go have a look um, and get in touch if it's inspiring author of unlearn let go of past success to achieve extraordinary results barry o'reilly 
Thanks for joining us on the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnabout Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Thanks very much, Aidan. Appreciate it. Next on Inside Learning, we are joined by tech lead at the Learnabate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin, Pablo Alvarez. Welcome. Thanks to having me, Aidan, this morning. There was a really interesting thing you mentioned to me before we came on air after listening to Barry. So we were talking on that show with Barry about how Serena Williams, for example, unlearned and relearned, and it led to great successes. But you identified one that immediately jumped to mind. And I'm going to ask you to pronounce his name. I know it, but I actually don't do a very good job. But you'll do it in a beautiful way, the way you only can. Over to you. Yeah, sure. So that's the Pep Guardiola. You know, you know Pep Guardiola? Pep Guardiola is the um, current coach at uh, Manchester City. And and that's something is true, uh, Aidan. It's not that because I, I made just made up this Pep Guardiola uh, example because I was listening to Barry's piece and about Serena and the unlearn. It's Pep Guardiola. It's a it's a celeb. It's a famous character and it's a fantastic uh, football coach that I was uh, following since he was uh, playing for Barcelona for Johan Cruyff uh, like thirty years ago. And I was following him, and it's an example to me. Like uh, in when he was forty-one, he was at his fourth uh, season with Barcelona, and he was winning everything. You know, he was winning every championship. He won six of them in one year. He beat Real Madrid, the best in rivalry, many times with massive scores, both in Barcelona and Madrid. But the end of the year four was a little bit uh, frustrating for him. For some re- for for some reason, the way we, ne- we never know those reasons, and he started losing, and something was not working fine. So he realized about that. So he decided to say, "Guys, I'm leaving. At the end of this year, I'm just quitting. I leave." So he went into sabbatical for one year. He was uh, moved with the family to New York, which he was he was living there. And let's think about that. What was Pep Guardiola doing in New York? He was unlearning. He was unlearning. That's what, that would be my guess. He was unlearning. He was unlearning because he was too successful and he had to unlearn things to become successful again differently. So how do you see this then translate into your own work and into the work in Learnovate? Because you, and to share with the audience, the, the preparation you did was magnificent. So showing your prowess as a tech lead as well, you did uh, immense research, sent me loads of uh, notes, etc., which is really impressive. But I'd love to bring it to a high level of what you see that translate to from your work in the Learnovate Center. So what we do for our customers, they come to us and with their own uh, assumptions of the world, how's the world outside and what the customer needs. And they just come to us and we use design thinking methodologies. We use uh, in our innovation services team. And we try to uh, say, let's try to come fresh, let's try to come blind and start fresh. And let's try to see if we can reframe, we can discontextualize to context, to bring some new context to you. So we use this design thinking mindset is the way that we, uh, we try these customers to validate their thinking, to validate their assumptions about the customers, about the future of, the, of their solutions and try to maximize the impact that we can bring with their solutions to the to the, to the users, to the final users. So, for example, we use methodologies such as uh, jobs to be done, for example, to learn about new customers. And we use, for example, service mapping. 
to identify those pain points and opportunities for the customers to learn, for to improve, to even measure quality of their services. And we research, we do research on the, on those aspects. We also do that in in our in on our uh, internal processes. Learnovate is continuously uh, improving. Uh, we are continuously improving our processes because we have to. We always have to unlearn things that we we uh, we used to know that they, we thought we used to think that they, they they help us or they work. But somehow sometimes we see that uh, from some metrics that we use they don't work as we expected because the space the speed of pace that uh, things are happening and things are changing too fast. So we need to unlearn, relearn, and reframe our processes. How are you finding that with clients? Are clients open to that, or how are they reacting to that? Because it can be challenging for people. It is very challenging. It is very challenging uh, indeed, Aidan. I, when I start these uh, workshops, it's something that is, I really need to stretch. And myself, I have to be very fresh, come fresh. And, and there's something that you need to believe on what you're saying, and you need to be uh, obviously... Uh, very excited and show them the enthusiasm. And if you do that, then you have a chance for them to open. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that you. you that's the solution. That that's the way you open the case. But at least you have the chance. Sometimes you make it. Sometimes, well, it's it's harder. But it's it's something that it's yeah, it's possible. It's possible. In this time of rapid change, Pablo, we are experiencing a rate of change that we've never experienced before. And there's something that Barry said, the very final words, and he said it in passing almost as if everybody is experiencing this, which is like, we're not ready for this change. We're not ready for the speed of change. We're not ready as a society. And that's something that you picked up on. So I'd love you to elaborate on that and how you see that world panning out. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was putting at the end. It's a uh, Barry just throw out that question. Guys, we're not ready for that. As a society, we're not ready for that future of work and learn. So we should start right now. We should start uh, setting up the the right uh, environment and ecosystem ecosystem of the learning ecosystem for the kids. Let's, let's start with the kids. Let's start with young entrepreneurs. Let's start bringing some motivation back to schools, some engagement back. And we do that in, in Learn of a Center with with our learning design. Uh, we're using, for for example, collaborative learning as well. And uh, some of our uh, pillars of uh, for a new phase of learn of it is entering this year are, for example, uh, researching about well-being, about motivation as well, and uh, obviously about uh, all these new skills that we're going to be needing for the future of work and how to be prepared. And it's not no uh, learning has to be has to evolve, has to be constantly evolved. So you can name it as you want. Uh, you can call it sustainable learning. You can call it smart learning, but it has to work. It has to be for the learners, it has to be for the kids. Pablo, I think that's a, a beautiful way and a very positive way to finish. And final thing for you is where can people find you if they want to find out more about your work with the Learnovate Center? Well, you can find me, uh, you can try to find me in Dublin. Uh, you can try to find me via learnovatecenter.org website, or you can try to find me in this blue room today <laughs> and via LinkedIn, for example, you can just go on LinkedIn and search for Pablo Alvarez Castro. Another blue room, the LinkedIn colors, Pablo, great to have you with us. That's it for another episode of Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnovate Center in Trinity College. I want to thank our guest today, Pablo Alvarez, tech lead at the Learnovate Center in Trinity College, Dublin, and we'll talk to you next time.
Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.